Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. Medical bills are like the easiest thing to skip out on. They can't undo what they've done to you. Hi, and welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media of our shared childhood. My name is Amy, and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977. And I'm her sister, Jenny, born in 1974. Today, we continue our look at Little House on the Prairie with Season 3, Episode 16, To Live With Fear, again poorly named, Part 1. Jen? The, the description reads, Mary is kicked in the stomach by one of the family sources, but insists that she is fine. Her internal injuries worsen over time. Unable to properly be treated by Doc Baker, <laughs> she is hospitalized in Rochester where she must undergo surgery. As if this weren't stressful enough, Gerald, Gerald's, <laughs> Charles and Caroline are in a position where they may not be able to afford the mounting hospital bills. Wow. Fire up the bingo card. We got a lot going on here. <laughs> Um, first, we want to just thank everyone. We've had um, some new members of the Mimi Bees. So thank you and welcome. If you haven't joined our Facebook group, just go to genxthisiswhy.com and you can find a link there. The Mimi Bees is basically my fan club from when I was a child. Yeah, it is. And Jenny, it will, and it is now, I think, too. Oh, I don't know about that. Jenny took it over and threw me out. So it has been resurrected. And we have a lot of fun in there. So join us if you can. Also, don't forget we're doing Patreon. Um, you can go to Gen X, why this is Gen X, this is why.com to find out everything you need to know about that. Okay. I'm going to stop talking. Let's go into little house on the prairie. Jen, two things. One, I take issue with the name of this episode. It should be called Jack's assassination attempt. <laughs> um, oh, I thought you didn't like the use of a prepositional phrase. I don't, but <laughs> it should be called Jack's assassination attempt. So written by BJ Sandifer, directed by Claxton, just FYI. Number two, I laughed so hard during all the Doc Baker scenes, and I kept saying to Timmy, Jenny's going to go bananas. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, and did you notice your man, uh, Baker, got a haircut? I didn't notice. Oh. Can you even tell what's happening with his hair? <laughs> yes, it was groomed. Oh, God. Yes. Okay. All right, Jen, we open on Jack barking. No, we don't. Jack is flipping out. He's flipping out. Okay, so let me tell you how I had to watch this. 
<laughs> oh God, I can only imagine. Those of you who have not listened to us the whole time, my dog, ironically named Nelly, <laughs> barks at anything that is not human on the television. Sometimes she'll even bark at humans if they're if they're hairy enough. Wow, so, that's I feel like that's biased, racist, sexist. I'm not sure. It's ist. Um, <laughs> so she has to be contained in some way. So. We're watching this on Amazon. It has commercials, okay? We see the first commercial, and it is a meow mix commercial with cats in a band singing meow, 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 meow. Oh, she hates, she, she hates when things are oddly animated. Yes, she went bananas, okay? The commercial goes off. I get her settled down. We open with Jack barking. I'm like, nope, she has to go in her crate. <laughs> it was going crazy. She had to go upstairs in her crate Well. Like he was acting rabid. Like what's while did he get Arlo, bitten by a raccoon? While Arlo, laid, you mean Lafayette Beetle, laid quietly next to me the entire time. Lafayette Beetle was can handle it. Yeah, I didn't think out the name Arlo Archer very well. It's terrible. It's terrible. Okay, so we open on Jack going bananas and being annoying. He's barking at Charles bringing the team in. Why? Why? This is like basically Charles in his car. Jack's just going to bark at him every, every time he drives down the street. Caroline is home baking a cake. It's Paul's birthday, Jen. She's baking a cake. And did you see the icing? It looked like, is there blood in it? What's going on? I don't know, but she's making a cake and Carrie's being super fucking annoying. So Laura and Carrie are fighting again. And I'm sympathizing with Laura here a little bit because she's starting to fear to feel the pain of having a little sister. <laughs> Fuck like off. she's getting a little, she's getting, she's getting the taste of that. Whatever. Mary runs out to see Pa. He explains that the new horse is a little skittish. Okay. Mary offers to unhitch the team while Charles washes up in the creek. Was, she's like, don't go in the house and wash up. Use the creek. Like they're interchangeable. I don't <laughs> they understand. Not be interchangeable. Although later we see she's drinking from the drinking barrel and God only freaking knows what bacteria is in that shit. Dysentery. It's dysentery time. Mary is quietly and calmly getting the horses in the barn when Jack shows up. And goes berserk. I'm starting to wonder if somebody hired him. Ooh. Hmm. If it's an assassination attempt. So he, Fucking Jack. He goes bananas. And all I said to Timmy is... This is me on a daily basis trying to deal with my animals. Like one Jack is going crazy. Like the dog is a menace. Pa can't even have a birthday here because it's Pa's birthday. <laughs> right. So happy all birthday, Pa! And the horse is spooked <laughs> and he kicks Mary. And Pa hears this and he rushes to help her, but Mary's like, "I'm fine. I'm fine," because she's a martyr. She got knocked to the ground, but she's okay. She's such a freaking martyr. Later, the girls are giving Charles his presents. It's a nightcap. Oh, don't get me started. And then Mary and Ma made a matching, made him matching pajamas. It's hideous. It's hideous. He makes a joke that he looks like an elf. I just don't understand the nightcap thing. Like, why is everyone's? Why is everyone wearing hats to bed? I don't know. Maybe because lice is rampant. It's not. That's not going to contain lice. I don't know. <laughs> that's not what it's for. It actually might be a warmth thing. That's the only thing I can think of. But they're, they're like really like the girls' hats are. Is it to not mess up their hair? Maybe it's like a like a a thing you put on your head to not mess your yeah, hair. Yeah, because they, don't like, wash they seem their like hair every day. I know, but it seems like their hair is a mess when they go to bed. Like if it was still pulled up and stuff, then I would get it. Like to to like you wear 
you know, that's a common thing to wear something on your head to keep your hairstyle intact. But it seems like their hair's a, like Laura's hair will be a friggin' mess and she'll put on her bonnet. So I don't get it. Mimi's, let us know if you wash your hair every day. I, I, I do wash my hair every day. I, I wash my hair every day. every day. No, I don't every day. If I want to leave the freaking house, I wash it because it well, looks your hair like gets weird. Jenny, your hair gets weird. It is like, remember those lights that you would go to touch it and they would all jump all over and you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, the electromagnetic yeah. uh, static stuff. Yeah, That's what my hair is like in the morning. It is like crazy. <laughs> but I noticed like the boomers, like mom and Doreen, like they don't wash their hair every day or Carol, they don't wash their hair every day. I probably wash my hair five days a week. I don't wash it every day, but I wash it most days. They go like once a week. I'll give it a break once a day. Oh God, no, I can never do that. My hair would be, there'd be grease dripping off my Right, so is, my is that week. like a generational shift that we started washing our hair more? Maybe it's an age thing. Maybe. Like, does your hair, like, will my hair be less oily as I get older and then I don't have to wash it as much? Maybe, maybe. I don't know, but that is a, that is a, I think that's an older thing. Because remember, Graham would go to the hairdresser yeah, like yeah, once, yeah. A, once a week. No. My, literally, there'd be like Graham, my Graham, be slick Graham with oil. never went to the hairdresser. Graham got that black as black, nice and easy, she and sat in her kitchen sink every Sunday night. Every week. She used to dye her hair every yes, week. Every Sunday night. Wow. Yes. Okay. That's harsh on your Oof. hair to dye it every week. So, where, where, how do I have this straw disaster? Everybody in my in our family has beautiful thick hair, and I have this disaster. I don't. I don't. Is mom's hair thick? No. Okay. There's your answer. Right. <laughs> the next day at school, the girls are playing jump rope. Nellie's being a bitch, and Mary attends. Mary attempts to beat her at jump rope, but Jen, it's a disaster. She's like jumping and wincing in pain. Did Did you catch Paul driving by saying hi to Mary and not to Laura? I did. I love Mary jump roping scene so much. She looks like I would look now if I tried to jump rope 15 times. Like, she's like, oh, <laughs> scrunching up her face in pain. Okay. So she's jarred something loose. Yeah. Something and Laura's like super pissed off at Nellie because Mary falls to the ground and Laura like is trying to comfort her. And Nellie's like, you're just, you're a loser. And Laura's like, she was kicked by a horse. And Nellie's like, you're just making up an excuse to lose. No, didn't she said something like you're making up an like a, an excuse about getting hurt by a horse to lose? And I'm like, really, Nellie? Really? <laughs> you were in a wheelchair for two weeks after you got hurt by a horse. So here we go, Jen. Laura runs to get Paul, and they bring her to your man, Doc Baker. Uh, I'm like, she's gonna die. <laughs> Doc Baker's rubbing her stomach like he's not even actively rubbing her stomach. <laughs> Like, oh, man. He asks her if she's been nauseous. And Mary says yes, but like the true martyr she is, Jen, she didn't want to cause a stink, didn't want to upset Pa's birthday. Plus, she doesn't like the taste of paragoric. So I don't she, blame her there. She just didn't tell anyone. And Doc says, ready? You're lucky there's no sign of infection. No sign of infection. Maybe it's a muscle spasm. <laughs> Go to bed for three days. <laughs> Your character. Jenny is not exaggerating. That is exactly mm -hmm. what Doc Baker said to do. Yep. Yeah. So I wrote, how does he fucking know this? How does he know there's no... He problem? doesn't. He doesn't. He knows nothing. Because <sighs> there's clearly an infection, as we learn later. All right. <laughs> Here's my next sentence. Later at home, Mary is writhing around in pain after her terrible misdiagnosis. <laughs> 
Okay, Carolyn, she goes out to the drinking barrel. I'm I'm yelling, don't drink out of that. That's not going to make your GI systems system any better. Caroline finds her and notices Jen. Your your fear. She's burning up a fever. Beep beep fever fever. Charles heads out into the night to get Doc Baker and useless Doc Baker. And Mary's upset because Jen she doesn't want to inconvenience anyone. Oh Lord. Oh God. (laughs) You're gonna inconvenience him when you die. So. She goes from, I don't want to inconvenience you to, we have to sell everything we've ever owned. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Doc Baker arrives and starts rubbing her again. Looks like a fever. (laughs) Her fever has dropped. Charles and Doc exchange a weird look. And they head outside and Doc tells him, no, 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 no. Doc says, give her some broth, but not too much. Because she'll lose her girly figure. Oh my Did god! Did I miss that? You totally said that. Wait totally a minute. Said that. Wait a minute. As Mary is lying dying. on death's door, dying from an inve- infection, Doc Baker weight shames her. Yeah, I missed the weight shaming. Holy shit! Oh yeah, yeah. <sighs> wow. Don't eat. Don't drink too much of that broth, which is like ten calories a cup. Right, and I'm not. Maybe that was spoken of in the late 19th century, but this shit was made in 1978. Yeah, they should not have included it. Well, I mean, there was a lot of that then, too, though. I know. Okay. So they get outside, and Charles is like, okay, Doc, tell me what's really up. And he's like, I could be wrong. (laughs) I could be wrong. You're always wrong. You're always literally wrong. But I think you should take her to Rochester. I think she's going to need surgery. She may have an infection of the intestine. Now, he went from, I think it's a muscle spasm, (laughs) go lay in bed, to knowing exactly what's wrong with her. She has an infection in the intestine. I don't think, to be fair, though, no, they told him in his office that she got kicked by a horse. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He said, I'm not capable of this surgery. Yeah. You're not capable of any surgery. Yep. Okay, so Doc Baker tells him, like, you need to do it. I'm really worried about this. Go to a real doctor. Go to a real doctor. He basically says, okay. Charles is like, I got to go get some cash. So he tells Caroline, pack up everything. I'm going to head to town. He goes to town to see Ebenezer Scrooge, I mean Sprague, to get some money. He's not at the bank. (laughs) I don't know why the bank is closed. We learned later. There but it seems to be Sunday. They're all at church singing. So the bank is closed on Sunday. <laughs> I don't know. And is Charles and Carolyn, is Carolyn not in church? Well, they're not because if you remember, Charles ushered Laura and Carrie out to Sunday school and said, I'll meet you there. Oh, Jen, they can't leave Mary. Why not? She's sick and dying. Okay, so Charles... This is a common trope on Little House. They walk in and interrupt Mass. Do you notice that? Yeah. Yep. So he runs over. <laughs> I mean, at least there's not a throwdown this week. <laughs> Still the greatest episode of all time. <laughs> like, guys, when you're feeling down, just watch the Bully Boys. Once you get past the attempted rape and all the bad stuff, you get to the end scene with the beating in church. That makes it worth it. Okay. So Charles heads into church and they're taking up the collection. And I'm like, I see how this is going to go. They're going to give Charles the collection. Did did it take a genius to figure that out? 
All right, you're fucking Sherlock Holmes on that one. I know. So, what- and I thought to myself, I I get why people need it churches because you couldn't depend on the government to help you with anything at this point in time. There was no safety nets of any kind. Nope. So, like, you needed community and churches to help people out. Wow. Let me note the time. Jenny just said something decent about church. <laughs> In the 1800s. In the 1800s. Actually, it was worse then, so I don't know what I'm saying. Okay. So Laura has arranged all of this, Jen, because she's an empath and knows how to say and do the exact right thing at the right time. And How do you know Laura arranged this? We don't know she that. She came up to him and said, I told them about Mary. No, Doc Baker told them. Well, she said, we're getting the collection together. She fucking organized oh, Laura, this. Laura's just taking credit for it. Mm-hmm. Doc Baker told Reverend Alden, and Reverend Alden organized this. Whatever. You know how much he likes to take donations. That's, that's true. Charles starts tearing up, and Laura has now cemented her place once again as favorite child. Yeah. After the shooting. That's forgotten. <laughs> the shooting's forgotten. <laughs> I'm like, she shot him like a couple weeks ago. She shot him four episodes ago. (laughs) Okay. They decide they're going to drop Laura and Carrie off at Grace's. And when they're there, Edwards is trying to cheer Mary up. And I I feel like this is part of his ride or die duties. Like, I'm going to take care of your kid. Can I just say that when I saw Alicia and Carrie sitting next to each other, Alicia's much. With competing bows. Alicia's much older than Carrie. Maybe. She's a lot, but like she seems much older than her. They had competing. She's much bigger than they her. They had competing hair bows. I think Carrie's way younger than we think she is. We're like, why can't she read? Why is she such an idiot? Let's look <laughs> She's it like up. Three. Let's look it up. Pause. We are back. Um, Alicia was born 1969, so she would have been mm, eight. Mm, yes. Yeah. Oh, I just did math real quick. And Carrie was born in 1970. Seven? So she's seven. She's She's seven? seven. She's She's seven. seven. Okay, something's not right (laughs) there. (laughs) She should know how to fucking read and and talk. I agree. 100%. Do you remember when we were building our house? Yeah. When Timmy and I were building our house. The girls were seven. That was their age. They were seven. They were eight when we moved in here. They were way beyond this. They were reading. She should comfortably. She should. She's not being educated at all, though, to be fair. She's not school. Right. Alicia is, isn't she? I don't know. Oh, my God. What a disaster. (laughs) Okay, whatever. So Laura tries to comfort Mary as she sweats and dies in a rocking chair. Mary ends up, though, having to comfort Laura. Do you have something to say about this, Jen? Of course. Of course, in her hour of dying, she has to take care of her fucking little sister's drama. Caroline is telling Grace that she is terrified of an operation. It was such a scary word back then. Well, don't forget, with very little preventative care at this time. Yeah, yeah. People would go to the hospital when they were really ill, and they would die often. So Then Grace is telling the paradigm of strength and motherhood caroline ingles buckle up grace is telling her to be strong thanks grace yeah. okay i don't know i'm kind of glad that caroline has grace though. i am too i really like grace grace has a great line later on which we'll get into okay so <laughs> edwards did you catch this comes in and goes i got the the bags in the back or the seed in the back or something the sacks 
So that's why they're putting seeds of seeds of sacks of seed always in the back so that you could sit on them. Whatever. Because they laid Mary on them. They go outside and do you notice how fucking windy? It is so windy at Edward's place. Is it on top of a mountain? What's going on? I have a question. Well, it's always the dust bowl too. Well, we know it's dusty because of the crops Mm -hmm. where the crops are placed, but the wind. I have a question. Mm. Your kid is dying. Wouldn't you use the covered wagon and let them the little children? No, what, what would it take to pull that covered wagon out? I know. They're like running. They're like, she's running a fever and they have her bacon in the sun. Maybe because they have to stay. I'm assuming they have to stable their horses and stuff when they get to the train station. I don't know. Laura tells Mary to write to her. And I wrote, oh my God, how fucking long will she be gone? I mean, I feel like the mail will take longer. Uh, yeah. But Rochester, turns out, is pretty far from there. Let me give you a comparison to 2020. The Monday after Christmas, my father-in-law had brain surgery. We drove him down in the morning. He had the surgery and was home by 8 o'clock that night. Wow. Wow. Mary's going to get, like, checked out, and they're going to have time to write letters to each other. I mean, they didn't really have any other options, right? Crazy. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying it's just mind-boggling how far we have come. So now the trip from Walnut Grove to Rochester is two and a half hours on a a car. On on like a state route, not an interstate. Yeah. How slow did this train go? I don't know. Because they were on it for over eight hours. And it stopped. They had a layover in Mankato. Well, they they went straight through, but they were on it. Yeah, for a while, and then yeah, it was it's, like an eleven-hour well, train ride. Straight shot, it probably meanders. It is. Well, yeah, the train yeah. probably goes all over the place. Okay, but man, so on the train, our martyr is apologizing for being hurt, <laughs> and Caroline's trying to walk with a, a coffee cup full of tea. Did you notice that she's like trying to yeah. walk with the teacup on this very bouncy train? <laughs> well, and then he's like, "We're almost the guys." When Charles is asking how long they have left. The guy's like, we're almost to the switch in Mankato, a place that, that Charles knows well. <laughs> Wasn't he like jumping on that switch from a horseback? He like wanted there. He can get off the train all around him. That's where he pulled the guy off the horse. Right, right. They arrive. Okay, so they arrive and we meet Jen, Dr. No Bullshit. That's what I'm calling him. I don't know what his name is. He is Dr. No Bullshit because he just He's a little creepy. Like it is. It's more creepy. So he calls Mary out on her lying bullshit. He's like, you're not That's telling up. your parents how you really feel. And you know what, Mary? You better be straight with me. Well, when they first showed Mary, she's, they're looking in her eyes. I'm like, not a fucking eye exam. Like, no, no. What, what now? <laughs> so he confirms that Mary needs the operation. I wrote, how much does Pa hate Jack right now? Oh, man. <laughs> Dr. No Bullshit says... Doc Baker is to be commended. He was right to recognize. Basically, he said he was right to recognize what he didn't know. At least Dr. Baker knows his infinite limitations as a medical professional. (laughs) (laughs) Mary has a gen parastiflic. Paratiflic. Go ahead. Paratiflic. Okay. So first, what they're going to do is they're going to Operate on her and drain it. I have an index card. Of course you do. What happened to Mary? 
<laughs> so this is from the Cincinnati Children's Hospital website. So Mary got, well, some of it is. Some of it's from like horse, not kidding, horsefacts.com or something. But that I trust these facts because I saw them all over horse the internet. Horse Illustrated, just, finally getting the accolade. That's this part. So Mary got a blunt abdominal injury, which is in which is defined as a direct blow to the abdomen without an open wound. So a horse can deliver. This is the part that's from horse facts or whatever it is. Um, a horse can deliver a blow with its kick that's equal to a car moving about twenty miles. An hour. Oh yeah, you can do yeah. So oh, you can definitely if it kicks you in the chest, you can go into cardiac yeah. arrest. If the material inside the intestines leaks into the abdomen. It can cause a serious life-threatening infection. So this is what has happened to Mary. Some injuries do not cause symptoms right away, but may develop over hours or days. Now we can eat. Now we can easily use X-rays, CAT scans, blood tests, etc., to diagnose. Poor Mary has none of this. Mm-hmm. Thank you, science. Thank you, Doc Baker. If the intestine is crushed, torn, or punctured, surgery may be needed to fix. Otherwise, we have antibiotics, which poor Mary did not have. After surgery. The patient can't eat or drink for, for some time and will have to be in an IV. Poor Mary doesn't have an IV. <laughs> Antibiotics and pain medication will prevent infection and control the pain. Again, none of that. Even with all of our advanced procedures and methods, intestinal infections remain a very serious condition. So it's so weird though, right? Like this is like God's design, quote unquote. I mean, we know it's science, but like how could liquid that's inside of one part of our body leak into another part of our body and kill us. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's like, I don't know. If oil gets into your, you know, gas tank. It doesn't work right. Right. Oh, but like, it will kill us. so something has le- leaked into the stomach and she has a bad infection, but it's, it's even now with everything we have, it's a serious, serious thing. Okay. All right. She's in trouble, especially in the 1870s. Yeah. And as we talked about, It's probably as we talked about in our quarantine episode. There's no throat spray to to take this pain away. She she doesn't have yeah. She doesn't have Vicks vapor rub to rub on. They might have her on. I mean, they have pain medication. They might have her on morphine or something. Yeah, they might have her on something like that. But they don't have antibiotics. That's the main thing. That's why it's like super life threatening at this point in time. Is there some Bengay? Um, probably not at this. I mean. A lot of people don't die from this as much anymore, but it's serious. If it's if it's left unchecked, right. like you will die from it. Period. All right. So so Doc No Bullshit says this might be risky, but I'm optimistic. Not something you want to hear from your doctor. This might be risky. <laughs> it's gonna be risky. The operation will be in the morning, but Jen, first you have to pay. <sighs> wow. Charles and Caroline go to visit Mary and she's all like, I'm getting an operation. Please don't worry about me. Like she's the martyr. And Jen, I wrote, I wonder if Charles and Caroline are going to hit the saloon while they're waiting. Cause that's what me and Timmy would do. I would. I would. hundred <laughs> percent. Caroline and Charles get the bill and it's a lot. And the banker shames them about paying. Did you get this? Yes. The doctor, yeah. the banker says, you want the best for your daughter, don't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're horrible. Okay. Yeah. I want to call Little House out on something. Jenny and I were talking about this earlier. They tend to make their bankers Jewish. Mm, and I'm not so okay bad. with this. Like, this is clear anti-Semitic yeah, bullshit here. And I thought at first, like, I was crazy because in the episode Fred... 
there's this, he's not a banker, but he's like a financier. Mm-hmm. And his name is Phineas something. And Jenny and I were talking about then, like, I feel like this guy, like, mm-hmm. they're making him Jewish. Okay. Yeah. We didn't really have any proof here. This guy, they're clearly doing it. His name is mm-hmm. Horace Benson. I looked it up. The actor is Jewish. Like, they're clearly doing it. So I say, shame on you, Michael Landon. Shame on you. Okay. We see you, Michael Landon. We see you. Okay. Next morning, we see Mary getting prepped for surgery. And Jen, no one's wearing gloves or masks. They're in vests and ties. Yeah, they're just happening. They're just happening. They have lab coats Mm -hmm. because he's wearing one later. Okay. Now, here's the part that really gets me. The operation goes well, and the doctor says it'll take about 10 days to two weeks for them to know. Wow. Well, in some of the research I was doing, they don't they don't really know if if they're out of the woods completely until they start to normally have bowel function for X period of time. Like, it ha- okay. they have to make sure that that's normal. So, I don't know why it would take two weeks, but I would think it would at least be a week. All right. Caroline and Charles head back to their room. They like, everybody is breathing a sigh of relief. The surgery went well. They're just happy that you woke up. I think they're just like, she's alive. We're good. Okay. So here's exactly what I wrote. Cause you know, I like to write for the, for our listeners, what my thought process is. (laughs) So here's my range of emotions. Caroline and Charles look at Mary. Thank God she's going to be okay. They're happy, but I know this is a two-parter, so this can't be. Caroline Charles go off to celebrate. Wow, this is headed for a cliff. <laughs> I wrote, oh my God, don't be happy. Don't celebrate. No. <laughs> no. No. At the Edwards place, Laura is super sad. She tells Grace she went by their place to see it empty and it's lonesome. She's such a poet, that kid. Laura is just mopey. I love She's her. so mopey. Then Grace says a great line. She says a great line. It's so simple but it's perfect. I'm going to start using it. She says, until we hear different, there's no point in borrowing trouble. Yeah. I like that. I love it. Love it. Okay. Jen Edwards causes a little (laughs) bit of shit here. Okay. So I was really on him about this. Hold up. Let me, let me say what he does. So he comes in, he looks like somebody died. Uh, Yep. And Lauren, which when you have somebody getting in the hospital, getting an operation, don't have that look on your face. So, Laura and Grace are like, oh, my God, what's wrong? He's like, I got news. And then he proceeds everyone's to tell like, how he got the news. Right. And Laura's like, just fucking say it. So then Grace, he's like, well, I don't know what the news Grace is. He's like, what's the news? What's the news? He's like, I don't know. And I was like, why didn't he look? Then I realized maybe he can't read it. Can't read yet. Still can't read. <laughs> so he doesn't know. Okay. So they open it and it's good news. And they're all super happy. Yep, and that's how we know everything's going to go off a fucking cliff because everybody's happy. Back at the hospital, Caroline and Charles are, like, coming in hot. I don't know if they're drunk, but they're, like, stumbling up the stairs. Maybe they're a little drunk. Maybe they're a little drunk. Good for them. They needed this. They walk into the the room, and (laughs) Mary's bed is empty. Never a good sign. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And Caroline's like, where's Mary? And the nurse goes, instead of saying immediately where she is. The nurse going to be like, she's okay. Didn't they tell you? Oh, my God. And Charles very calmly goes, they didn't tell us anything. Where is she? <laughs> that was good. I thought he played that really, really good. Well. 
They're told that Mary was rushed back into surgery. Now we see her and she's packed in ice, Jen. Packed in ice. I can relate like to this. Just like you were when, when you got ice. your cold heart. When your heart was I was packed in ice. <laughs> I mean, I was like 14 months old, but I was packed in ice. Jenny was packed in ice and it froze her heart. So listen to yeah. that in quarantine. This is going to happen to Mary. <laughs> she went into convulsions. So now they're like, okay, obviously that didn't work. So we have to operate again and remove the diseased tissue. Well, he says... There is still some diseased tissue. Why would you leave diseased tissue in there? I don't know. So they have to operate again and remove it. But they need to wait, Jen, until she's strong enough. And it could be weeks or months. Uh, And she has a room rental they're paying for. Apparently, you got to rent the room at the hospital. Dr. No Bullshit says, look, (laughs) I know there's a money issue here. But you got to get clearance from Horace Benson, the evil banker. Because he's like, I'll waive my fee. Yeah, yeah. You know, that evil banker who's like a miser in there. So Charles heads off to bust some heads. Then he tells the banker he's going to go home. Oh, wait. First, Charles whipped something out, and I thought he had a checkbook. (laughs) He's sitting there writing something. The the banker's counting the money. He's like, you don't have enough. And Charles is like, I'm writing you a note that I'm going to go home and sell my farm. This is your plan? You're going to go sell the house out from under your entire what are you family? Do? They're going to be crashing with the Edward and the Edwards barn after this? No. Here's what you do. God. First of all, the dude says, you need to pay me by the end of the month. Or they're going to, the board, quote unquote, is going to overrule your handwritten note. Okay. Dude, Mary will be done with the surgery by then. You just throw her in the fucking wagon and take off. What are they going to do? Well, they can't do undo, they can't the undo the surgery, and supposedly they can't go after you for your debts at this point in time, right. as we've learned. Medical bills are like the easiest thing to skip out on. They can't undo what they've done to you. Right, they're not going to come to your house and murder right. you. Right. So then, then if they do catch up with you, you're like, okay, I'll send you three dollars a month for the next eighty-five years. It just seems, yeah, because he doesn't. He's like, I don't need the. They're not asking for the money up front. No. But he owes some kind of money right then. So what is that? Well, he gives him a bunch of it so far. And then he's like, I'm going to oh. have to give you the rest. Yeah. Later. Okay. So Benson, again, you know, he accepts, he reluctantly accepts Charles' handwritten letter. What? Well, let me just ask you, what is the other option besides handwriting? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's Okay. Hilarious. Thank you. Thank you. There's no, like, they only have handwritten right, things. But what does this note look like? I, Charles, will give you my farm? It's some kind of note, yeah. So Charles says goodbye to Caroline, and he heads home to sell their house. I don't think he's told her. No, I don't think so either. But to be fair, this is the last thing Caroline needs to deal with right now. Um, I would want to know if I was going to bring my sick child home to recover, and there's no house. <laughs> You're going to be homeless because you need to start making preparations. Yeah, I feel like it was a bad plan, but okay. Okay, so. He's in the train station. He sees a sign advertising work on the railroad. He grabs it. Okay. He arrives back in Walnut Grove and heads to the post office to see Grace and Edwards. And he tells them everything that happened. He tries to go to the bank, but Edwards tells him that after two years of bad crops, Sprague has gone. He just pulled out. The bank has folded. The bank has folded. the bank. And you have no, any kind of insurance at this point. No FDIC, not like nothing. If you had money in that bank and it folded, it's gone. But I didn't realize Charles wasn't going to the bank to borrow money off Sprague. 
he was going to try to sell his farm to Sprague. Oh, like he tries why to sell it to borrow like money? He tries to sell it to Hanson. So then he goes to Hanson's and he's trying to sell it to Hanson. Well, the only option he has with Hanson is to sell it to Hanson. But he might have had an option to borrow money at the bank. But I never even thought of this angle. If there's nobody in town who has enough money to buy your house, you can't automatically assume you could sell your house. No, you can't. No. Where are the Sims when you need them? Yeah, right. They had a lot of coin to throw around, it seems like. Where's the widow Thurman? Go bang her and get some money. The hell? Okay. Charles offers to sell Hanson every single thing he owns. His tools, everything. His clothes, his hats. But Jen, Hanson is broke too. What's going on the Hanson? There's clearly a depression. (laughs) In Walnut Grove. Like Hanson is the most powerful man in town. Edward said the mills only run in one day a week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I imagine nobody's building. Well, everything's a local market at this time. So if everyone around you doesn't have money, you're screwed. Okay, so he offers Charles some... No, he doesn't offer Charles some travel and money. Charles asks him for money to travel because he needs to take a job somewhere else. And are you getting Edward's emotional turmoil at this point? Edwards is like, he feels helpless. He can't help his ride or die. What's he going to do? He's freaking out. He's having an internal freak He is beside himself. He goes over to the post office and tells Grace. Now, keep in mind, Grace is working. She runs the post office. She has a job. He tells Charles, or he tells Grace, Charles needs a bunch of money. He's going to go work on the railroad. And Grace is like, well, we better close up early and get over there. Grace, stop slacking off. You're the only one with the fucking job at You're this point. Only post office in town. You're just going to close. I guess. Okay. So Charles comes by to say goodbye to Laura and Carrie to go off to work on the railroad. And and what's Edwards doing, John? Ride or motherfucking die. <laughs> yes. There he is. He's packed up, ready to go. He's like, I'm going to go work with you and give you all of my wages. Yeah. And I wrote, who's going to take care of his family in the meantime? But then I realized Grace has a job. Grace can handle that. Grace was already paying for her own And we saw, like, we saw the crops are like just dust. So, <laughs> And Edward feels great from his domestic shuffle right now, I think. He does. And Carl's Jr. is like, I'll take care of this shit. Don't worry about it. Carl's Jr. Carl's Jr. puts out his smoke and is like, just oh, I've not, not hurt anyone in this episode. <laughs> okay. So then we get a graphic. Oh, and then did you notice they're walking off like they're going to walk into town and get their horses or something? And I was thinking to myself how fucking exhausting it must be to be alive during this time because you just have to walk <laughs> everywhere. I'm walking in town to get the stage coast to the train. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 All right. And then we get the big to be continued next week. Yep. Yes. All right. So that's the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. Jenny, at the end of every episode, I ask you the same question. Ready? Whose fault is this? I mean, (laughs) this is the worst pet in the world's fault. No, second worst pet in the world. Bunny was the worst. Jack. Although Jack may have pulled ahead now. Jack. Because he's almost killing someone. Well, but Bunny almost killed two people. Did you get this? When Charles goes by to say goodbye to Carrie and Laura, he's like, we're going to have a picnic, blah, blah, blah. And Carrie's like, can we bring Jack on the picnic? And he's like, of course. I'm thinking, this is who is responsible for all of this. I don't advocate pet violence ever, but I would be <laughs> raging on this dog. <laughs> I meant to ask you, how do you feel about them picnicking? 
whatever. I mean, I know how you feel about them camping. It's so ridiculous. Oh, you have to go out, enjoy the outdoors, so you're going to go eat outside? Uh, Your drinking water is outside in a barrel. Isn't that picnic enough when you need a drink? I mean, is it any different than you not eating inside your kitchen and eating out on your deck? I don't know. It's stupid. Stupid. And then you're cooking on a grill outside your kitchen? Stop. Okay. So, Jenny, at the end of every episode, we look back and think about a theme or some kind of lesson we took from this, either as children when we saw it the first time or on the rewatch. So, Jenny, oh, we call it our why. It's designed to finish the statement, Gen X, this is why. So, Jenny, what is your why for this episode? So, I have two. Okay. I have one that I think is an unconscious why. A subconscious (laughs) Subconscious, mm-hmm. why? <laughs> Were you unconscious when you thought of it? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but there's one from long ago that I think may have put something in my head. And then one that's I got on the rewatch. Okay. So the one, the, the maybe this is why. <laughs> Maybe this is why I dislike slash have a residual nervousness around large animals. You know how I feel about horses. Well, it's not just horses. So I was, I used to be a a commercial photographer and I worked for a a firm in, in the Northeastern Pennsylvania. And we used to do some photography for Agway and we had to go shoot a dairy farm. So we're like all setting up and I'm with the photographer. I was a, I was a, an assistant at the time. And like, I had to like move this equipment stuff and I'm next to this like janky fence with like 500 cows or in this pasture. Who could murder you in a second? And they're just like, and they're dairy cows and they're just like, and they sound like they were chanting. Like it was like this, like, and it was fucking creepy. And I was like, and then this person was like, the photographer was like, just get on the other side of the fence. And like, he was in there running around too. Like, it's not like he, and I'm like, I'm not coming in there. And he's like, they're cows. And I'm like, he's like, they're not going to hurt you. I'm like, I'm not coming in there. He's like, they're cows. They're the dumbest animals on earth. And I'm like, so 500, 500 pound dumb animals. That's, like they'll kill me by accident. It's not like they're vicious. First like of all, they'll just accidentally like crush me. You know how I feel about clusters and groups of things. Yeah. Those cows together could assassinate you. There's no question. Well, you can accidentally die there so easily. Mm-hmm. I my why, like this is not my why, but a secondary why for me is this again reinforces my fear of horses. Terrified yeah. of I mean I I respect horses. You have to know what you're doing around horses. I, you can't just be all willy-nilly around horses. Horses are beautiful from a distance. You can't be all willy-nilly. I, I, yeah. I am not a country girl. I do not know how to be around horses. <laughs> right, right, right. No. I don't need to be around horses. But I'm automatically nervous around large animals. Like, it's automatic. Do you remember when mom took us to the circus? Oh, yeah. And yep. an elephant was just walking out of the tent. And I started screaming bloody murder. There were many instances where I screamed bloody murder in public. I mean, screamed bloody murder and ran at high speed. And you were probably like. Jerry's age? Five or six, maybe. Mm-hmm. A little younger, I think. And although you were definitely more advanced than she was. <laughs> um, ran at top speed and dove onto my mother. Like. Mm-hmm. From a leap in air mm-hmm. that, like, <laughs> like I, you're lucky you didn't knock her down. I ran and leapt on my mother the same way my dog Lafayette Beetle freaks out when I shake out a garbage bag. <laughs> Why do you have such an erotic dog? on me. Your dogs are so neurotic. I don't, I don't know. It's okay. But I think I have this 
like deep planted nervousness because of all these freaking injuries, like the bunny stuff, Mary getting kicked. Mm -hmm. Everyone almost dies because of these large animals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My second why, my second why is this is why we need socialized healthcare in this country. It is 2021 and there are people today losing their house because of medical bills. Mm -hmm. These are people working extra jobs. There are people working extra jobs for life-saving medication, like basic medication, like insulin, Mm -hmm. not like experimental, Mm -hmm. like advanced medication. Like how can we expect people making $7 an hour to pay for a $50,000 operation? Yeah. It's criminal and has to stop. Yep. You want to have boutique healthcare plans. You want to have private shit. Fine, whatever. But we need some kind of like baseline yep. system. Yep. This is unforgivable that this kind of thing is still happening. Unforgivable. Agree. And I have, this is why you should believe in science and medicine because that shit used to be real, real bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, anytime I always, we open somebody up, it was a disaster before penicillin. Always, it could be, it could be a disaster before penicillin. I always say like, I, even though I often rail against certain types of technology like social media, right. I embrace medical technology because you need to like shit used to be real. You didn't have that throat numbing spray. You didn't have Neosporin. Like you were dying. Okay, it's not about Neosporin. Like there it's the major advances, mm-hmm. right? Penicillin. Um, uh, immunization, right? Like these are the things that changed our lifespan. Our lifespan increased by 30 years after these, after these advances. Jenny, if I were kicked by a horse and in Mary's position, how long would I survive? I'd put you down. Quick. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't let you suffer. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Um, on that note, Jenny, why don't you tell everybody what we're doing next? Uh, we're doing part two of this. Can you have a description at least? Can you get me a description? Oh, you just want to know what happened. I want to know what happened. I need to know. (laughs) Does Paul sell the farm? Does he shoot Jack? To live with fear, part two. While Carolyn stays with Mary, Charles sets out with Mr. Edwards to find work and send money back to the hospital. They eventually accept a mining job that involves building a tunnel for a railroad. Sick with fear over his daughter's illness. There's the with fear aim. Sick with fear over his daughter's illness, Charles disregards his own safety and faces serious danger. I think I remember hmm. this. Uh, two things. Number one, this title is horrible. It's just horrible. I'm going to put in the Mimi Bees a list of 87 other titles that could be better for this. Okay. Second. 87? Yeah. Literally yeah. 87. Second, Charles' hair is getting too long. Michael Landon, what are you doing? What are you doing? I know we're, but this is, we're getting towards 1980. I know it's coming. But this is like the fact that this guy has to go work in a mine while his daughter is in a hospital, potentially in serious danger, is unforgivable. It's horrible. I know it is. But in 1870, there was nothing. nothing. There was nothing to have any control over any of this. Like now it's better. And, and but 20 years before that, she would have just died. That's true. So, yeah, yeah. Possibly, yeah. All right. And if they didn't have any of this money at all to initially get her there, I don't know what would happen. What do you, what do, you do? Yeah, thank, <gasps> thank God for Reverend Alden. Oh, Lord. On that note, <laughs> see you guys next week. Thank you. <laughs> Dear God. 
Hi everyone, Amy here. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you like what you hear, please consider leaving a five-star review. It really helps us to grow the podcast. If you'd like to support us, please consider joining our Patreon feed. Patreon.com slash Gen X, this is why. We're also on Facebook, and we have a Facebook group called the Mimi Bees, M-E-M-E-B. You can find this and all other information, including an email address for contact, at www.genxthisiswhy.com. Thanks so much, and thanks for listening. you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game, and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>